but as you're building things, you can't really afford to say no to some of those small opportunities. And some of the biggest opportunities I've ever had have come from the smallest passing interactions that I just decided to invest in and I didn't know what was going to come out of it but I knew something good would come not knowing what that good thing would be and so don't be too proud to be connected with your local community even if you're someone who is an online influencer even if you're someone who's mainly building a business online You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Today's episode is sponsored by Amy from Rebel Nutrition. You can catch her in episode 104. She's the creator of Online Course Academy and is hosting a free masterclass that teaches how to create a profitable online course that brings in 5K a month, even if you're starting from zero. I've been watching Amy for years now. She's had the opportunity to throw out many courses out there, but the one that seems to be the mainstay that's there all the time that I've seen her do really well with is her online course academy. I've known several people to go through this course and I've watched them just soar with success. So we're super excited to dive into it ourselves and I hope that if you guys are interested in making your own course and learning how to get it out to your audience and build as you go too, this is a great way to start. In this training, you'll learn the number one reason most online courses fail. It has nothing to do with the size of your Instagram following how to make a 5K month or more from your online course, and a precise calculation for how big your audience needs to be. Also, how to grow your audience while simultaneously building your course. And also, why you don't need to be an expert before selling it. This also gives you a good insight on how to sell your course online, and how to generate buzz and excitement around your course topic to get as many students enrolled as possible without paying for ads. Most people have concerns about creating their own online course, like, what would I even create an online course about? How do I build an audience and who wants to even buy my course? Why would anyone listen to me when there are so many experts out there? How would I launch or even market this to a tiny audience? Would anyone even buy? What about all the tech stuff? Videos, worksheets, audio lessons? Oh, the overwhelm. And what about the logistics? Coming up with content, deciding which information to share, and can courses really create enough income for me to live off of? You know, OCA will walk you through every single one of these fears step-by-step using video, audio, and done-for-you email scripts, and even design templates to make your slides and other supplemental course materials to make sure your students get results. If you want to join, text online course academy, one word, no spaces, to 44222. Again, text online course academy, one word, no spaces, to 44222 where you'll receive a link to join the free training. We'll also link to the sign-up page in the show notes. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio. Hello, hello. Today, we're going to dive into part two of our apparently many, many lessons of building a service-based business. Surprise, we didn't surprise. necessarily intend for this to be a two-part episode, but whenever we just flow into that conversation and lean into breaking things up into two episodes, that it's just, it flows better. And this Natural. is just like you know what? It's a lesson in workflow for all of us. You know, mm-hmm. when something feels good, like stick in that pocket and go with it. And yeah. we just had so much more that we wanted to fit in and share with you guys. So if you guys haven't caught last week's episode yet, episode 105, we talk about um, getting stuck in kind of the analysis paralysis and, and learning before you feel like you can step into action, figuring out how to break through that a little bit, um, kind of what services to offer, very briefly pricing your services. We talked a lot about time management and that's something yeah, that, that was we both huge really struggled huge. with initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to dig into part two of that today, but before we do that, what's going on with you? What's up? What's up? Hi. I'm in this interesting space right now where, you know, I've had to like creative, like creative endeavors have always kind of filled my space. It's always just made me happy. You know, it's like whether it's been something crafty or it's been something, you know, and then I dove into makeup artistry and I don't know, like I've always my my whole life, I've always been kind of a creative person that way. Um, I've been surrounded by really creative people, artistic, creative people. I'm married to an artist like it's just feels like a way of life. Right. <laughs> um, but there's something about motherhood that changes how you do things <laughs> or in everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here I am, 35, and my youngest is going to be seven soon, and I'm kind of, like, finally finding that emotional space to, like, want to do this for fun, but it's also part of my job, so, (laughs) which is exactly what I wanted. I mean, that's, I really wanted something that I could be creative in, and I don't know, it's a beautiful thing, but I feel like I'm, there's so many exciting things happening with clean beauty that I'm, like, I'm, like, having fun. I'm not just, like, getting functional here. I'm, like having fun because that was something I really mourned when I came into clean beauty is that everything was so functional (laughs) which is lovely I mean I'm grateful that it's functional and it's like daily wear and you know because that has to be filled first you know but um and that was something that I really drew me to beauty counters that they really had a lot of beautiful things and it was the first clean brand of makeup that really kind of fed more into my creativity um everything else was like three shades of eyeshadow and like two eyeliners and I was like I need more colors you guys <laughs> I need more give me more and there there just wasn't you had to get really um creative about how you used what you used and where you put it on your face if you wanted to like have an interesting look and and now there's just some like so many things are happening in the market it's like it's really exciting and like besides beauty counter it's like I I just bought a palette from Aether Beauty Oh. And I had my eye on them for a while because they started out with, with clean eyeshadow palettes. And I was just like, that's unusual, you know, because you can do beautiful eyeshadow clean, but um, the formulas are not that different from like the regular run of the mill market. So a lot of people will fudge and just be clean beauty everywhere, but their eyeshadow, <laughs> you know, purely for like the color variants. And so from a business perspective, I think it's very slow to like, it, it's, it seems kind of a scary thing to do to step into something that it doesn't seem essential for clean beauty. And so I was really excited to see that there was a brand going for like 
exciting colors and things. And they're clean, vegan, cruelty-free, organic, and they are very careful with their recyclable material in their packaging, um, which is exactly why I love Beauty Counter too. And so I'm, I'm finding these brands that are really like aligning to what I love and I'm finding some creative flow. And I bought this palette from Aether that I'm so excited to use. I've swatched it, but I haven't been able to play with it yet. And it's called the Joshua Tree Desert Palette, Joshua Tree Desert Matte Palette. And it is full of like this really beautiful, like buttery yellow called citrine is exactly what it sounds like if you know what citrine looks like it's what the shade looks like they have one called agave and it's like this deep like jungle green you remember the jungle green crayons from crayola oh <laughs> yes the exact color of what it is and they've got um this color called tumbleweed and poppy and tumbleweed is more of like a terracotta and poppy is much more of a um beigey brown tan color but they've also got like prickly pear which is a lavender and wildflower flower that's like a um a periwinkle and uh, like there's more shades in here like you guys I'm so excited to use this but I'm also excited about some of the other fun things that I've been playing with with clean beauty (laughs) there's this product from c'est moi which is a French phrase for it's me (laughs) and this brand is marketed more towards like teenagers because it's a very simplistic formula it's meant for like um, younger skin because the really complex ingredients are just not necessary for younger skin. Um, but they've come out with um, makeup that's really appropriate for like preteens or somebody that's starting out with makeup. But I have found they have, and it's the whole brand is clean. Everything is it's clean. And m- most, if not all of it is EWG verified. And I love that so much for younger skin um, because of the price point. Da, da, da. They have these makeup crayons that I'm just obsessed with. <laughs> like where I, I have pretty much the primary colors plus black and white. And I'm like, if I would have found this when I first started Clean Beauty, I think the transition would have been a lot less hard because I can do so much with these crayons. I can lay them down as like a primer because they're a, a traditional crayon type like texture and things I can put that on my lid and then put an eyeshadow on top of it and create like a totally different color like I can get really nuanced with these crayons I can create like an ombre eyeshadow with them with a pen like with a pencil brush I can like I could create a lip color with this like I can I could face paint with these if I wanted to I mean these things are so rad like I love them so much and I've only got six out of the like I think there's like there's quite a bit more I think I've only got half the colors so they've got like shade range nuances like they've got two Maybe you could arguably say three shades of green. (laughs) They've got two different shades in like an orangey yellow and then a yellow. I mean, they've got shade variants that just doesn't happen in Clean Beauty very much. And I like the formula. I was just like, I'm just, I've got so many fun things that I'm playing with. I'm playing with Glam Glitter Gel from PYT Beauty that's clean. Um, I think I got it from Credo. And it is literally like the most glittery gold that you've ever seen and beauty counters new lipsticks have got um like the be fearless i love that color it's such Mm -hmm. a it's bright but it's not obnoxious (laughs) and then you got the fuchsia is clean that one might argue saves obnoxious but i love obnoxious color so it's fine um (laughs) like i'm just i don't know i'm like i feel like i'm living in my like i'm finally visually like stimulated instead of satisfied does that make sense (laughs) yes yeah. Well, and I mean, we talked about a lot of this in our like 80-20 episode of just leaning into like enjoying the things that help us feel in that creative space, even mm-hmm. if they're not perfectly clean or, you know, 
for me that was talking about using like regular organic sugar instead of maple syrup or whatever you know yeah, in my baking. paleo yeah it's I'm I personally just as your friend have been really excited and it's been really fun to see you just like lean into getting creative and and through that process like you found clean products that you can mm-hmm. use that fit that bill of helping you be more creative and so I'm excited to see what kind of looks you create I know I'm, I'm like everybody's too. always like what is Genevieve doing with her makeup and how do I do it <laughs> myself I know so, I'm, like, I'm loving it I'm, I'm excited hoping to you'll launch into the TikTok space with some makeup girl <laughs> well to no be pressure. honest if I'm creating looks then I will <laughs> like that's where I'm gonna go well oh something else I'm really excited about is Beauty Counter's new foundation that um Ooh. when this episode launches it'll be out but I don't yeah. have it in my hands yet well, so that's why previous week yep yeah yeah I know I'm so excited like I've been able to get the pre the the pre-sale from consultants today I think is when I'm going to grab it and I'm super excited because there's 18 shades there is 18 shades guys like that's unusual yeah that's super unusual in the clean beauty space to have that many shade range and that's something I really missed from foundations because truly like a shade variance just like a slight variance can change a tone of someone's skin so much that I was like getting creative and like mixing things together a lot to get that shade variance but oh, I'm so excited to play with the shade range of this Skin Twin foundation because it's supposed to be super lightweight. It's supposed to be um, have great coverage. It can be buildable. Like I'm just there's just a lot of really exciting. The packaging looks beautiful. It's this frosted glass. Like ugh. I'm just really excited for all the things. There's I feel like makeup's having a moment for me, which means it's probably going to be a thing. <laughs> Tends to be a myth. I, I feel it coming. I'm like makeup. <laughs> Well, and I, I mean, I think of a really good foundation as like part of your skincare too, because mm-hmm. a lot of people who don't really use a lot of makeup still use foundation true, to true. kind of even out their skin tone. Cause guess what? We're all humans and we all have something funky with our skin. Like mm-hmm. if you have perfect a little skin, blur, happy for a little you, blur, but a little blur, a little blur is nice. Yeah. A little blur. <laughs> um, so I've always loved beauty counters current foundation the tint skin previous well i should say previous because by the time this episode comes out again that that new twin skin will launch but i it's called the twin skin featherweight foundation Mm. so it's like really really light and i have actually gotten to sample a little bit of it Ooh, from an, I can't a friend who's an md who was like what's your color let me send Ooh. it to you <laughs> Ooh, that's the best uh-huh. it's all about who you and know it is all about dang it it is all about who you know (laughs) and so uh I really I really like it and I'm not obviously a professional makeup artist or anything I just know what I like and what works for my skin and and I'm really enjoying it so far and I think cool I couldn't up until beauty counter kind of came into the picture for me I didn't like any liquid foundation at all I couldn't Mm -hmm. find one I liked and I Mm -hmm. wasn't going like high end with anything so I will say that you know I'm sure there are some high-end ones that people you know are their holy grail items yeah but you know I jumped from buying like a seven dollar foundation to buying a forty dollar foundation with the counter. <laughs> that was the jump I made and that was the jump I made on like all my skincare too yeah I mean I was spending three four five six dollars on a cleanser you know all of that kind of stuff so the price jump know. when you know when you know better, you do better. <laughs> <laughs> when you know better, you do better, people. I used to say that all the time in the med spa industry world, too, yeah. because a yeah. lot, that was a big jump for people, too, because med spa skincare is really freaking expensive. Like, I struggled with selling it for probably the first year because I'm like, oh, my gosh. I was totally living in my budget. I was selling to my budget, which 
I was so broke at the time. I was like, why why am I I doing this? I could not afford Beauty Counter when I started to partner with them at all, um, which is why the consultant discount was quite nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we can now, so it's okay. Um, Also, values change over time as you learn that kind of stuff, too. If you guys are new to the podcast and you found us through like our business series or our personal development series, we are extremely passionate about clean beauty and clean beauty as a business. And Mm -hmm. if you want to learn more about like heavy metal contamination and cosmetics, um, episode 10. So we can roll. We get real fired up. And guess I was like, what? that was the first time we got lost in time there, man. I mean, it was episode 10, so it was two years ago, <laughs> and nothing in the cosmetics industry has changed since then, and nope. we were mad about it two years ago. I'm more mad now, just so It, you it know. doesn't get easier. <clears throat> no. No. So, um, yeah, if you're curious why, why we talk about that kind of stuff and why it matters, and if you're new and haven't ever tried clean beauty products, then definitely hit up that episode and then just... just glom on to everything that Genevieve is doing at Jenny B Beauty on Instagram because she will yes, share ma'am. all, all Welcome. the feats with you. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Um, yeah, I I have been playing with makeup too. Um, no, no hey. like real new products or anything like that necessarily. Um, I have gotten a couple of like new masks from Primally Pure, which mm. I mean, by the time this episode airs, they're not that new, but mm-hmm. enjoying <laughs> those. And it's nice to have like a moisturizing mask for your skin type because unfortunately I love Beauty Counter's charcoal mask, but I can't, can't do it. It doesn't work for my skin. Same. It's Mm -hmm. so refreshing though. I'm like, why can't I do it? It's beautiful for the right (laughs) skin type. The people that that, that mask was built for is like, yes, Yes. Mm ma'am. Yes. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. But I have been enjoying using blush for eyeshadow again recently. And I feel like I'm... (laughs) I feel like I'm turning into that makeup person that is either wearing absolutely zero nothing (laughs) or like we're going, I don't know, we're glammed up to go to the grocery store. I got three looks. And we got to wear a mask. So we got to play up our eyes, right? (laughs) Wait, have you you seen that? I think it started as, I don't even know if it started as a TikTok, the one about three looks. No. Oh my gosh. This so applies to those of us that that, that resonate with Cassie, what she just said. It's this whole, it's from Jenna Marbles. And she started this whole thing of, I got three looks, three looks, and that's it. <laughs> I'm a homeless person, a 12-year-old boy, and a hooker. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I always am joking about how I just walk around looking like a homeless person. <laughs> right? But then when we get kind of like put together, we look more like a 12-year-old boy. And then when we're like ready, we look like a hooker. <laughs> Cassie's like no I do not but I, I resonate with that because I got like my hoops I got my false ashes I got my nails like when I'm really like doing my thing and living my life it's a very different look than my other two. Oh my gosh <laughs> yeah yep but anyway so I've been like actually putting on eyeshadow lately which is like a miracle hey uh it is hey it's a miracle hey. and yeah just doing some more like glowy looks with like cream products which is always Mm. my jam anyway but just kind of playing with a few more products that beauty counter already has all the cream cream color pinch cream blushers and the um the highlighters been enjoying Mm -hmm. playing with those and putting them on my eyes too Mm. i have to use a little eyeshadow primer to do it i was gonna ask how's that crease it's good but i also am not using a lot either yeah, sometimes you don't need a lot. It's about placement, like where well, when you're as it. fair as I am, you really don't need a lot of anything <laughs> on your face. <laughs> so, uh. anyways, yes, I've been playing with makeup a little bit more. I've been really enjoying the vitamin C serum 
from mm. beauty counter new vitamin mm-hmm. c serum you guys oh i started to use it at first and you had the similar experience that you shared where like yeah use it a little too much because we all get really excited and I started to get breakouts I think they were more so due to dairy because I really for a couple of weeks there I was like it's quarantine I'll eat all the dairy I want I all the nobody's food I want, gonna see it. my skin it's fine <laughs> and then I was like not wanting to go on social media because I had mm-hmm. breakouts <laughs> yep mm-hmm, guess mm-hmm, what guys mm-hmm. people who sell skincare still have breakouts oh, um, 100% or like step into products too fast uh, yeah I just got really excited because I know it yeah. is going to be really good for my skin so yeah. I finally found a rhythm with like three times a week instead of every day yeah and that's working well so I'll probably slowly kind of try to titrate up over time but mm-hmm. I've seen a ton I had some pregnancy melasma um and postpartum like melasma around my mouth and then mm-hmm. also in like my near my smile lines like in between my nose and the corner of my mouth and I you know they kind of crop back up I've, I've dealt with them the overnight resurfacing peel has been really good for it but I've dealt with them through using um that consistently and then being really diligent about sunscreen and I've just wanted to like be in the sun lately it's been pretty nice mm-hmm. and I'm like being a little lax about the sunscreen and then those spots are getting darker and I'm like and you're seeing <laughs> it I swear <laughs> I used that vitamin c serum twice and I all the darkening was gone yeah like a week of being out in the sun with no sunscreen yeah so, the benefits the benefits so are good. too high to like not play around with it and not like, at least see if you can tolerate it on like a every now and then basis instead of every single day because you can still yeah. get benefits from a skincare product even if it's not every single day you know it's like it it doesn't lose its potency for the most part if you're not doing it every day it's, but it's the consistency is what matters you know finding something consistency yes so i have found my happy place and Ooh, my skin great. is nice and clear and i love and it glowy with the products yes mm. so glowy so digging good. that digging the glow <laughs> the spring glow look mm. so my hair on the other hand is starting to like i mentioned last week i'm discovering that i have gray hair which i did not know up until probably a week ago i mm. kind of assumed it was happening behind the scenes you know but i hadn't really like come to terms with it now i'm like having to process it now you're and seeing it really clearly and you're like, oh, okay it's making me feel a little old if i'm being honest and not that growing old is bad i always like getting older it's actually a, it's like my life though. more and more every year yeah. but dang like mm-hmm. it makes me all it really makes me want to do is get my hair dyed that much faster <laughs> <laughs> and i have had so many bad like at home box color experiences that I am just like, you know what? Um, I'm good. I will be wearing a hat. Yeah. So I need to find a cute, like, hipster hat. Because mm-hmm. I have, like, plenty of ball caps, you know. But I need a cute hipster hat to wear. Yeah, that's not a beanie because we're entering out of that season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm already guilty of, like, basically moving from beanie season to baseball hat season. So... <laughs> how i do that's all right i'm my hair's just up in a bun that's just or a messy bun like that's same. Just, that's my yeah you, you, same you have your mo everybody does <laughs> makes sense <laughs> well let's all move on from the fact that we've all let ourselves go with hair and nails and um usually makeup and <laughs> at least really we're doing it collectively. of any kind <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we're doing it collectively i know it's okay. like the first time we've ever done it collectively as a like a whole a nation yeah <laughs> as a world yeah oh my goodness I love it well I'm excited to check into 
the Samoa crayons. I was looking at those before you even bought them. Oh and yeah, you bought them, and I was like, "Well, if Jen bought them, I could." I'm <laughs> like, "You made me feel like gave me permission a little bit." Yeah, and I've been really looking at that green one, thinking mm. I need that in my life. I have mm. like hazel eyes, and so yep. if I throw some green on, things really get popping. Ooh, yeah, and you could do some fun stuff with that. I like the idea of using a crayon or a liner because I just don't. I'm just not really a huge fan of like a big fat colored look on my eyelids like I not just, not your thing unless Genevieve does it and we're at like a special event she makes it look purdy <laughs> I get it though that takes a lot of practice to like feel comfortable with the placement and it's it's, it's even just like my own face structure and stuff mm. I don't prefer it that's mm-hmm. more so what it is I would rather be kind of less done if that makes mm-hmm. sense it feels more me so I don't reach the hooker stage. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I do. Yeah. I don't know. It's boho. <laughs> I it's the boho hooker stage. Maybe. Bo- <laughs> oh man. Oh my Portland goodness. Portland hipster stage. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm talking okay. about. Okay. 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 Okay, let's dig into the meat of our episode. We are so excited to continue this conversation around lessons from running a service-based business ourselves. So many lessons. So many really (laughs) hard lessons. And I didn't even realize it until we dug into it for show notes and I went, I have a lot to say. I know. I think I think one of the hardest parts for most people when they start a business, any business, but a service-based business also, is how to get put themselves out there like how do I put myself out there how do I network how do I reach out to people how do I create an audience how do I create niche out my market like how do do I I have an opinion or in my profession how do I get in front of people like mm -hmm. physically online like what does this look like for me and one of the things I never really asked myself before I leaned into that was what do I want to be doing and what am I good at Mm-hmm. And that seems like the most basic thing to ask yourself, <laughs> but when we you're totally figuring skip out over it. how you want to show up on social media and with your services and all that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, it took me a while to realize, like, I am a people person. I like large events. I feel totally comfortable speaking in front of hundreds of people, mm-hmm. um, which I've only done a handful of times. But when I did, I was like, oh yeah, it's fine. We're, just, we're, we're friends. We're buds. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it actually less intimidating than speaking in front of people I know really well. 100% agree with you <laughs> on all of that. Yep. And then also I, you know, I, I think leaning into what you're good at is going to help you like really carve out where you should be spending your time in terms of reaching out marketing. So for me, again, that was like big crowds of people doing big classes, speaking engagements, those sorts of things. Man, I wish I had done that a lot earlier in my nutrition practice and my nutrition career. And that's still a service-based thing. You're just getting more money for your time than if you were, you know, just working with one person. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that efficiency piece, but I also got to impact more lives by teaching a larger class, which was really cool. And then obviously that feeds into your one-on-one business. If you go out and do Mm -hmm. any sort of talks or education. And the other piece is, again, I like to talk like you guys hear me say, because we like to talk in the beginning of this episode every week. (laughs) And I, 
I, it took me a really long time to start a podcast. And once I found out podcasting was a thing, then I found out about the NTP program from the wonderful Liz Wolf and, um, and Diane from, they did an episode of the Balanced Bites podcast that was dedicated to like how to become a nutrition professional, like how to have the job we have. And I was like, tell me how I'll do it. And (laughs) I just had so much respect for them. But what didn't equate for me was that how much I loved taking in information is also how I like to deposit information. Hmm. And so talking is a strong suit for me in one in which I actually apologized for and said I talked too much. I just said that about myself for a really long time. You know, we always joke about how brevity is not our strong suit on this podcast. And it, that's not to apologize for it. Yeah, I mean, we're not apologizing. Is, we're just informing. Yes, this is what it looks like to hang with us on a weekly basis. And you know, and we love you and we so appreciate you're here. But it took me a while to figure out that I needed to lean into the things that I was good at. And part of that struggle for me is I'm kind of like surface level decent at a lot of things. And so mm-hmm. it was hard for me. And I think that's true for a lot of people, by the way. Yep. Same. So it's hard to know where to focus your effort because just because you're good at something doesn't mean that's what you should be doing. Just so because you can doesn't, doesn't mean you should. <laughs> so it's more so about the alignment. And, you know, this kind of goes back to our conversation around like creating what kinds of services that you want to have um, in your business and really niching down with that. But also like finding the style of, um, you know, marketing that works really well for you and is going to bring people to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought I needed to have like a significant social media following to build a nutrition practice. And I put too much time into that initially, but the things that brought me clients, I had a strictly word of mouth business. I did zero marketing on social media whatsoever. And obviously I had business cards and eventually I started doing talks. And as soon as I started doing talks, that was incredible marketing for me better than any social media post instagram video facebook live video that i ever did oh yeah one of yeah that's that connection that connection and so Mm -hmm. i think part of it is figuring out in what ways do you want to educate your community like Mm -hmm. how how can you lean into education and really show your value show what Mm -hmm. you have to offer build trust with your audience with your target market and so you know you have to ask yourself like where does my target market live and you know for me my target market for my nutrition practice was like folks who were dealing with blood sugar issues who maybe needed to reverse their type 2 diabetes like honestly I was in the business of doing that and saving gallbladders that was my deal I love that 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 will always stay with me that phrase you gave (laughs) and like I'm in the business of saving gallbladders I've said that to so many people and (laughs) guess what we've saved our gallbladders together um and I you know those people were not on Instagram at the time Mm -hmm. I mean they might be now because it's a bigger platform now but they were not on Instagram at the time Mm-hmm. And that was like the new space that we were supposed to be building our businesses. And this was like way before stories. This is way before IGTV. This is where before Instagram just Live. squares. Yep. Facebook Live had just started. Facebook groups has just had just started when, you know, I started my, pra- my nutrition practice. And so, you know, we have to figure out those little avenues in which we can, you know, build trust and build community at the same time. Mm-hmm and figure out what that looks like for us. And, you know, for me now, like for both of us, that includes podcasting, um, doing talks publicly when 
coronavirus has like chilled out a little bit hopefully (laughs) in the future but um and you know even that content wise has moved from a place of talking about like nutrition health and wellness to like personal development Mm -hmm. and so many other things and you know your platforms will move and change with you as you kind of change your message and and evolve as a human being Yeah. yeah Absolutely. That's what makes, I think, builds a a huge amount of trust for for audiences is seeing that you are evolving and changing Mm -hmm. and learning and growing and um, they can get to know you that way. Like I, I firmly believe that if you are putting yourself out there in a way that's clinical, there's there's going to be a huge disconnect. People have to be able to relate to you Mm -hmm. and nobody relates to textbooks. They just don't. Well, maybe Enneagram fives, but I digress. <laughs> I can only say that because my husband's an excellent tech writer and he he's like, what? The, the how-to book. And I'm like, mm, that's very different from a textbook. But. <laughs> I want someone talking on a video telling me how to do it while also telling me a joke. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> something think, more engaging. Yeah, yeah. Engaging. Something that's engaging. And, and that's been um, kind of surprising to me in some ways because that's people people don't buy necessarily for exactly what you do you they they buy in the services buying they they buy from you how to make them feel and mm-hmm. I leaned into that real heavy in my service-based business as much as I lean into it in my products that I sell as well because people aren't going to buy products just because it's pretty I mean they might but for the most part people buy because of how it's going to make them feel what end game is that going to be at and, and it's it not even trust. the end game. Like if we're talking about skincare, like let's use your your industry as an example and, and, mm-hmm. and mine too. But mm-hmm. it, if we're talking skincare, like they're not even talking about, am I going to get results? It's how are these results going to make me feel? Exactly. People exactly. care less about results and they care more about the end game of, am I going to be more confident? I'm going to feel more comfortable in my skin. Am I going to be able to carry this information on to my daughters? Am I, you know, like... Mm-hmm am I making good choices with my health when I do this? Like there's so many other pieces of it that are important. And this is like, you guys, Simon Sinek, it starts with why you need to read this book cover to cover. You can do it in a day of quarantine, like just make it happen. <laughs> People do not buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Mm-hmm. And me, you have to share that why all the time remind people what that why is because your why is going to change Mm -hmm. and your audience is going to change with you because they're there for that journey especially if they start out in the beginning Uh uh-huh my head is nodding so hard that was something that surprised (laughs) me too because I'm just like yes my why changed so many times in my 14 years of aesthetics it was like it, it changed probably every two to three years and it still continues to in some ways and so you know, but it kind of just happened <laughs> in retrospect. I can see it. But now that I'm a little more aware of it, it's part that's part of getting your voice out there is talking about your why yes. talking about that, that that's part of building that trust, whether you're doing email marketing, whether you're on social media, whether you're podcasting, whether you're writing little e courses to send out, whether you're speaking in it, speaking engagements, if you stood up in front of a group of people and talked like a robot and read like a textbook, it's not going to mean anything. But if you got up there and said, this is important, this is why, this is what it'll do for you, this is how you feel, like that's going to connect. 
no matter well, what and even, type of service. You know, like let's say you're not a skincare expert. Let's say you're not a nutrition expert and you're trying to build something like your beauty counter business or um, you're building your, your footprint as an influencer and you have like just a lifestyle blog and you don't have a certification in some area. Like the place you need to lean into is not the prescriptive. It's not like this, how this is going to make you feel. It is literally this, how this makes me feel. And this is why I choose it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's those personal choices that drive Mm -hmm. people and they can put themselves in your shoes to see that they maybe could have those results, too. And they don't need you to be an expert. They just need you to unapologetically share what it is that you love, what it is that you do and why. Like, Mm -hmm. that's it. So as far as like building trust goes, I think you just have to share more of yourself. I think this whole, you know, like what Lucia was talking about in episode 103 was, or 102 was leaning into the fact that like, you are not your business. You are not your business, right? So you're not the successes and the failures of your business. Your business is an entity. Your business is a business, but you are the driving force behind your business. And it Mm -hmm. is personal. It is Mm -hmm. personal. People want to know how you live your life, what you do. They want to see themselves in your shoes when you're trying to talk to them about your favorite skincare or household cleaning products or whatever it is. And, and we can't step into a place where we have to be the expert or we have to feel that, um, we have to reach a level of perfection in order to share. And that's a totally different conversation, right? Oh, And one we've had many times about that imposter syndrome that kind of pops up, but in getting your voice out there, you need to choose a medium that feels natural to you. So Mm -hmm. if Instagram feels so unnatural to you, if live video feels unnatural to you, like that might not be the place where you build initially. I'm going to challenge you to do that eventually, of course, because it's a smart platform to be on. If TikTok seems crazy to you and you're kind of like on it, but you're like not really sure about it and it doesn't feel like your target, like your target market isn't a young adult, then you probably don't need to be in that space necessarily, especially right away. But I will challenge you to do it in the future. You know, all of these platforms you can dabble with, but you need to pick one or two and spend a lot of your time there and not be so bogged down by doing, you know, 10 different things, but not very well. Like, let's pick one or two things and do those really, really well. And And feel some permission around it's okay to not want to be on one platform or, you know, like figure out what feels right to you and what you can how you can share feel authentic in your sharing like Twitter sorry guys I'm never gonna be on Twitter it's not gonna happen I just no I mean I just joined (laughs) I can't but I have a lot to say okay yeah I mean that's perfect it feels right to you like well we'll see I don't know about that but we're playing with it Um, (laughs) you're exploring (laughs) sure I am also consuming on Twitter too, which I'm is from a place of observation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I will say like if talking is your thing and you're nervous about being on video, start a podcast. Put up a lecture series on your your website, like almost like a podcast, but it doesn't have to be a weekly production value thing that you're doing. Put out an e-course where you're talking behind slides. You know, there's so much that you can do with if talking is the thing that feels comfortable, but being on video doesn't. Although I'm going to tell you to practice being on video because you need that video is um, excellent <laughs> email you guys email 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 this, email it's taken me a long time please to come learn to that. from yeah. my mistakes here yeah. please. if you have a service-based business one of the best ways to build your footprint that's off of social media that guess what you own because you don't own your instagram followers 
You do not own your Facebook group or your Facebook followers. You don't own any of that. They only see whatever Instagram decides to show you. Yes. And you do own your email list. Mm-hmm. And if your open rate, your open rate is automatically going to be better than your view rate on Instagram, than your, you know, your footprint in that space, the impressions that you leave in that space. Mm. And email is wonderful because you have a way to collect people's information and then connect with them in a really personal way. And again, Mm. this is something that I put off in my business for a very, very, very long time. Like by, I, I collected, so I did a good job. I collected email addresses. So anytime I would do talk, I collect your email address. Anytime I did a seminar, collect your email address. Anytime I did a, a cooking demo at natural grocers, I collect your email address, whatever it is, collecting it everywhere. And so by the time I went to actually like finally launch an email list that wasn't just like, oh, hey, I have this event coming up, which by the way, you guys, if you've tried to launch an email list and sent out like one email and then never stayed consistent with it like 10 times, hi, it's me. I've done that. (laughs) You might be someone who's been on my email list for that long. And, (laughs) you know, like it's it's just it's a process and it's Mm -hmm. hard to be consistent if you don't prioritize it. And so by the time I finally got to it and have been more consistent at it, like I'm, I have like 2000 names, <laughs> people, which is impressive. or 2,500 to put on this list now, which is not like a numbers thing to talk about, but that just goes to show like the consistent thing I did was collect email addresses. And yes, I had to completely reintroduce myself to those people who like, you know, had been on my list for forever and I hadn't touched base with them. And maybe we're not really talking about nutrition anymore. Maybe we're talking about food. Maybe we're talking about personal development. We're talking about the podcast, whatever it is. And so, but collecting email addresses, yes. First thing you need to do everywhere you go, anytime you talk to someone, (laughs) collect their email address and be like, hey, I'll add you to my email list. But here's the thing, like people need something to be invited to in your business all the time. And an email list is something where you can provide that happy space, use your voice. It's almost a place where you can micro blog if you don't have a blog. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a blog and maybe you don't intend to have a blog, you still can have a a self-hosted area to like get your email list going. Um, And I have been using Flowdesk. I keep hearing such great things. Oh my gosh. I've been using Flowdesk as my email platform and I went, I've used MailChimp. I used MailChimp for a couple of years and then my list got too big and I was going to have to jump into a paid. And so when I went to the place where I was like jumping from a free account to a paid account with MailChimp, I thought to myself, hmm, I guess I should go do some research and see if this is the best option for me because now I'm paying for it. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at a couple other services and ended up landing on ConvertKit and I liked how simple it was and everything and the integrations were great. Well, Flowdesk was created by um, a couple of women, female entrepreneurs who basically took everything that annoys you about your email list platforms from a design perspective and from like a plug and play perspective and just made it super easy. And they're still like, they're still in beta testing. There's like kinks to work out. There's lots of services that like they don't offer quite yet. But for me, like what I'm trying to accomplish is just having a beautiful, consistent layout having consistent sections of my website and being able to deliver like a really beautiful result that actually gets opened. And when I switched from ConvertKit to Flowdesk, my open rate went up by 30%. Holy 30%. Moses. Holy Moses. Yes. <laughs> so that's, that's a massive jump. <laughs> yep. It's a massive jump. And so they're doing a really good job of like making sure file sizes are a certain way with when you're sending out images in the, in the newsletters 
and uh and so that people they go into their main inbox and not into a junk email folder or anything like that which is great and i have if you guys i'll put it up for you in the show notes um i do get an affiliate commission from this just as an fyi but if you sign up for flowdesk and you use my discount code or use the particular link that i'll share with you guys in the show notes you can get it for 19 dollars a month which is half off wow. for life instead wow. of 38 dollars a month Jeez. which is crazy that's affordable <laughs> that's really affordable for a business service it's super affordable so i actually moved to from convertkit to, to flowdesk which convertkit was charging me more so i'm paying less now and then i also have unlimited um subscribers so i don't have to it's not going to ratchet mm-hmm. up as i increase the number of subscribers and for me that never really made sense to me i'm like you know maybe i'm taking it more bandwidth of this you know kind of network and service of the email provider but like I'm growing my business and using your platform and more people are seeing emails that are created in this platform. Like, why wouldn't you want to reward that? Why would you want to yeah. penalize someone growing their list? That makes yeah. no sense. So anyways, I mean, yeah, it's literally like unlimited subscribers and it's $19 a month. If you get in during this period of time where they're kind of in this beta testing and uh, yeah, I'll throw up the code in the show notes for you guys. Yeah, to, that to sounds use, amazing. But I really enjoyed that. And that's a, that's a, a practical thing. You know, you guys find people that you trust and figure out what kind of platforms they're using. If you're getting an email from someone and it's beautiful and very well done, like it could be a designer that helped them do that, but it could be the platform that they're using. Yeah, um, for sure. Shoot them an email back and say, hey, what email marketing platform do you use? If you are loving what someone is doing with their planned posts on Instagram, be like, hey, what platform are you using to plan your posts out on Instagram? Let's talk about that for a minute too. Let's do it because that, that you, was super helpful. What do you use for planning for Instagram? Um, Planoly. I use it for like putting it out there, but like building the content that I put on there is yep. Canva. Like every single time. I've really enjoyed yes. the way Canva has grown and changed in the oh, it's so much three better years. than it used to be. Yeah, in the three years since I started using it, it's 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 exactly what I need <laughs> mm-hmm. as far as like kind of plug and play, but kind of a customizable, um, un- easy to understand sizing. And like it just it they've really grown around um, beautiful templates. And I just in the, the stickers and the animation stop like I just I've had so much fun with Canva and then being able to just see it in Planoly and schedule it for the most part. Yep. Um, I've been able to do stories through Planoly. Mm-hmm. I've been able to do, I mean, I just, I really enjoy those two for like putting stuff out there and feeling like when I'm in that space where I can just plan stuff. I mean, I, there was like a four month period there where I was doing almost two posts a day every day that's impressive (laughs) and I was like I know I can't keep this up but I don't think I've ever been able to keep up that kind of consistency so kudos to you it was fun Um, actually you know we'll dig into social media as it relates to growing your business a little bit more in a future episode but Mm -hmm. I I just wanted to mention you know you guys I can't reiterate this enough social media is a marketing tool is not Mm -hmm. a sales tool It will grow your reach. It will grow your network. It will help build trust. If you keep showing up in that space and you're consistent, it is not necessarily going to bring you sales unless you have like a significant following. The places that people get their sales who are in a sales-based, service-based business happen to be maybe the first touches on social media, but then they have something to invite that person to. They're inviting them to a class, an event, 
an email list or all of the above, a podcast episode that they've done, whatever it is, like you have content to invite people to. And like I said, like, I think we, you know, don't feel overwhelmed. Like, yes, there's a million different platforms and a million different things to do. Choose one thing and just do it well Mm -hmm. outside of social media. Can I just say that again? Outside of social media, choose one thing and do it well outside of social media. Email marketing is number one. Absolutely. Number one, email marketing. Um, write quality emails that give value, that deliver value, that share your voice, that share who you are. And if you're not the best writer, find a friend who's willing to edit it for you or just read it and be like, this is crap or this is great, you know, and give their real opinion. But work with a peer, find a friend, um, pace with someone who's trying to grow their business at the same rate you are and invest in each other because it's hard to write the copywriting in the beginning. That was oh, hard. Man. Mm-hmm honestly it's but, a creative flow that you have to get into a state yes <laughs> a state well, of and being. you know creating copy for your about me page and all sorts of stuff in that capacity and I actually Amy Tollefsred which um, she was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago has some incredible content for like how to write your about me page and she has lots of beautiful freebies on like copy for your website uh, mm-hmm. that I would definitely recommend digging into um okay One of the things we haven't touched on yet in the conversation of energy management, like we talked about last week Mm -hmm. and time management, Um, you know, we talked about scheduling those tasks out based on energy management, but I think even really like what kind of services are you going to be creating and how are you going to be communicating with your client base um, after they've become a client? Mm, yeah uh-huh. is really important and knowing yourself is so important like we talked yeah, about so that different. empath piece how invested you get in that client process and their results and you're just on the ground floor like in it with them that can be really draining mm-hmm. but one thing I really recommend is finding a communication flow that works for you and this is something that I didn't do well in the beginning I just was like oh all email or text message or like phone calls and we'd have scheduled phone calls or in-person meetings. I had trouble getting to emails on time because I hated checking email. And obviously email has become a significant portion of my workflow now, but it's different. It's and a different so, kind of energy exchange. Yeah. yeah. And so again, this is a like, what are you good at? Do you like to talk? Is that your primary mode of communication with people? Or if you prefer not to, maybe email is your happy space. But for me, I wish I had known, and I don't know if all these things existed back when I started my service-based business, but probably not. <laughs> something like Voxer, which is like a walkie-talkie app, or using voice text um, within you know, social media or voice text within a text message conversation. I don't like that you get cut off on, on social media, like on Instagram yeah. at one minute, because I always have more than a minute of things to say. <laughs> But I like to use Voxer um, and I would not have known that I started to use Voxer with my nutrition clients for back and forth like Q&A and I would just have like office hours where I said, hey, you can Vox me anytime during this time. If you Vox me outside of this time, then I will, um, you know, get back to you the next day or something like that. And I just set some really clear boundaries for work hours for those things because when you have messages constantly coming in. You kind of have to segment. But one thing that happened with me with using Voxer for communication was I was able to just unload that um, kind of audio file on someone without having to write a bunch of notes for them. Mm -hmm. Because that was, I mean, someone says like, hey, you know, I'm having this digestive issue. What should I do? Me giving them a Voxer response is like 
less than five minutes and me giving them an email response with like action steps and protocols and all sorts of things like references that's just going to take me an hour yeah (laughs) and I don't have time to spend an entire hour on an email reply right for real yeah and this actually applies to people that are in the appointment-based service industry as well if you are in a space where you're taking appointment-based like physical time like hairstylist estheticians, nail tech, um, anything that's in person like that, then you guys have to establish how you want to communicate with your customers and not letting, like nothing drives me more crazy as a customer when I don't know exactly how to ask a question about, because like, you can do online scheduling services pretty easily in the salon industry, but you go in and you have to select which appointment type you want. What if I don't know? What if I don't understand the difference between a, between a balayage and an ombre or a baby light and a, you know, a you traditional need a console, highlight? Basically. Yeah, you need or you need a quick way to be like, what do you what what time frame do you want for what kind of hair I have? You know, you, like there needs to be a way to communicate. And I, I can't tell you how many times I, I can tell you because I was looking for another hairstylist because my hairstylist, the two that I've been working with, have gotten so busy that they just couldn't work me in in like a two month period. So I was like, well. They are kind of a far drive for me. Let's see if I can find somebody close to me. Holy Moses. I, I, you know, it, the only way I knew how to communicate with them was through their website or through Instagram because I was finding them usually in those places. And, you know, one person would respond to me on Instagram. The other one wouldn't. And then one would reply through email. But there was no clear. I didn't know where I was going to get a response from who. Like there was no clear like email me here or like, you know, you can find me here if you have a question or that it, it needs to be super clear and coming from somebody that's been on the other end I also understand like when I was in the men's spa world there wasn't really a clear way to communicate with me unless you called the front desk and asked me to call you back because I was in services all day long and I didn't have an email dedicated just to my name you could email the spa and then I could, somebody could ping me to it and I could go find it and reply, but there wasn't a real easy deal. And that was one thing that I really wished would have changed while I was in there was that there, maybe there was like, uh, you know, cause what if they had a question about the skincare I sold them? What if they had a question about their healing process after a laser skin treatment? Like it was um, difficult to follow up. So I'm like, in this instance, like Cassie's talking about Voxer and things like that is an excellent way for, if that's part of your services to be able to like do a quick check-in, but you have to be really clear about how what, how that works for you because it's not about what's easy for them it's about how you work as a provider I will work with whatever service provider however they want to be communicated with but if they make it really clear I need to understand very clearly how they want to be communicated with and I will go do that you know or if I buy their services yeah I'll go download the Voxer app because that's how they want to be communicated with during this process you know what I'm saying so it's it's don't think about it like what's easy for the other for your customer because they're they'll come to you and make mm. it work for you. But you have to yes. be very clear. I was afraid that if I didn't subscribe to the traditional, like, we will have an in-person consult. And then yeah. after the in-person consult, I will email you some notes. Yeah. And then you can email me back if you have questions. And then, la la, la none of that oh. worked for me. I didn't Same. really like the in-person consults. Um, I, you know, I loved connecting with the people. I loved helping them. But I didn't like having an office space. I did not mm-hmm. like having to be in an office during a certain period of time. Like I like having a free and open schedule. 
I didn't even know I could do that. Like I didn't yeah. even know I could do that. And even yeah. if you're building, like let's say you're building a nutrition practice and you want it to be local, you can still build that and then still not have a physical office space. Mm-hmm. You absolutely could be like, I do phone appointments or maybe you uh-huh. can meet them. What I was doing for a while when I was in between office spaces was meeting people in a coffee shop for that first, like get to know you, go over your health history, like and, you know, it's hard to find a quiet space to do that if you're going to be talking like HIPAA compliant stuff. Right. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, a, a different different beast. But then you can like touch base on the phone after that. You could do it in person mm-hmm. and then touch base on the phone after that. You could rent out like a workspace in like a co-working space for one mm-hmm. day for one appointment and then just use it for an hour or two and then kind of move on and you can find someone who has a massage practice or a chiropractic office and just ask to rent their office every once in a while or a room in their office every once in a while. There's so many things you Mm -hmm. can do. Well, and I've kind of done all of those things, by the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think what it took me a while to figure out is that I didn't have to have a traditional office space to be professional, which I thought I was Mm -hmm. unprofessional if I didn't have an office space Mm -hmm. that I could see clients based on my schedule. And so one of the things that people told me when I started taking nutrition clients was that I would have to see clients at night and on the weekends to make my business work. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And I couldn't at the time (laughs) because I worked in the restaurant industry. So I was Mm -hmm. working at a restaurant that served dinner only. And so dinner only, and then kind of brunch on the weekends. And so I worked nights and weekends while I was building my practice. And so I couldn't do that. So I worked during the day and people would take off from work and come to see me for their nutrition appointments. They would take their lunch break and talk to me over their lunch break for their appointment that week. You Mm -hmm. know, it was, we, we made it work and people came to me. They came to my hours because I was delivering them with results and time Mm -hmm. and care and effort and building trust. Mm -hmm. And you guys can absolutely do the same. And so I just want to encourage everyone out there who's trying to figure out, you know, obviously not only what kind of services you're offering and everything, I know all of this process can feel really overwhelming, but lean into the way you like to communicate and what you're good at. If I had just had some sort of service (laughs) where I could leave a voice message and then have that returned with no one dialing a phone number, having a direct line of contact with a person and being able to send a text message in the same thread, my client communication practices and probably my client results would have been even better than they were. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that consistency piece. So you need to pick forms of communication that you know you can be consistent with. Like that is so important, you guys. Stop taking consults in your DMs on Instagram. Stop taking consults in your email (laughs) if you don't want to be in that space. Say, this is how you schedule with me. This is how you work with me. This is how much you pay. Come to the table or don't. And you're going to find your people who need to work with you. And of course, you know know this in the beginning. No, you're not going to get all your ideal client in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have to wade through some folks who are not your ideal client to maybe figure out who your ideal client is. Mm-hmm. But as you're building that service-based business, it's so important for you to, again, lean into that communication that works for you. And I'll, I'll leave this kind of section at this. I have found that I need my communication with, like, say, my beauty counter team, which is the more service-based thing that I do right now. Um, I need that to be off of my text messages. And I set a clear boundary. I have a lot of friends who are also on my beauty counter team. 
and we have personal conversations and we have professional conversations and both of those can happen on Voxer. I don't care if both of them happen on Voxer. I'm totally fine with that. But if you want to say something that's about beauty counter, you better not text it to me if you can help it. (laughs) And this is not like a (laughs) warning. It's just like a, this is a boundary I've set because otherwise I will have such a hard time getting back to them because Mm -hmm. segmenting between text messages and and Voxer is hard for me. Mm -hmm. And so I've set that clear boundary. And now, as long as I do that, like early on with my, with my team, they will bring any beauty counter stuff they have for me to that space. And then any personal stuff they'll text me or, you know, even throw that to me on Voxer too, which is fine. But yeah, I mean, setting that boundary with communication is really important in order to like streamline your stuff. Yeah. And I, I f- am currently running some service base through skin consultations. I have two different types of skin consultations that can be purchased from me. And it's, um, I have to be really clear about my boundaries about, cause it's so easy to go through and give a, a skin consult and be really clear of like, this is going to be a, let's throw it at the wall and see what comes back situation. And so you're, I have to give them a few and or if statements, but at the very end of the consult, I'm like, If I can answer a very concise, quick question through email, I will. But if I have to ask you questions, it's going to warrant a back and forth. I'm going to I'm going to guide you towards another consultation with me because I can't do back and forth because one question leads to another, leads to another. I mean, that's why I do consultations versus just giving somebody advice on emails. It just takes up so much of my energy. And so it's about like Cassie was saying, sending that boundary that's there of like this is how I work best this is how you get the best of me is this mm-hmm. you know while it's like I told him I'm like don't feel like you and I was like please send me an update I would love to know how you're doing I read them all but the response part is what takes up so much of my energy and time that is so difficult for me <laughs> and it's like I have to be able to you know the way that skin consultations are actually working for me is by being very strict about my boundaries and I'm you know I'm here I'm almost a year and a half into um because I didn't have skin consultations until a year and a half ago you guys I'd been almost a year into podcasting when I opened that up so it's one of those things where if you haven't been doing service base and you want to try and you it's like a new flow for you it doesn't matter like I was an esthetician 12 years before I offered over the phone consultations you know, you guys can open that up if you understand yourself well enough to know where your boundaries are is where it's going to be super helpful when you're setting up that communication strategy that works for you. Yeah, I've gone in and out of adding service based and taking service based things away, doing some business coaching, doing some mm-hmm. mastermind services. I had like a mastermind for nutritional therapists for a little while where people paid to be a part of that group. And then I facilitated the group Um and peer learning and all of that. And that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. But there were, I, I had to like rework all of my boundaries that existed mm-hmm. before because I was entering into it in such a different place of knowing, you know, what worked well for me and what didn't. And man, Voxer is my happy place. I will say that if you're a talker, just go to Voxer. <laughs> go to Voxer. <laughs> just go to Voxer. I need to earn um, a commission off of that. I know, um, right? They could sponsor yes, our podcast. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> right? Please sponsor Boxer. That would be great. Um, you know, and there's lots of other kind of team communication things. Like, let's say you have a service-based business and you own a salon and you have people who are, you know, working in the salon and you guys communicate as a team. You can use a Voxer thread. You can use something like Slack, which is great for team communication. You can use Asana, which is task-based. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different really cool tools out there that are practical. 
And, you know, one of the things that I think I want to kind of cap this episode on Jen is something that we're both in the space of trying to navigate and figure out. Like, just want you guys to know we are not like we don't have everything figured out. We just know what we didn't do and what we should have done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that was really diversifying your revenue by adding some passive income in as a service-based business owner. Changed Um, my life. Yes. And Will you talk a little bit about that journey for you yeah. and and where you felt some struggles and then kind of which avenues that you're seeking passive income right now? Yeah, for sure. And this one was such a big deal for me because I can't tell you how yucky it feels to feel stuck because you don't have a choice. That's what bugged me so much about trading time for dollars. I could have done trading time for dollars in, I could have I could have done aesthetic services and makeup services and waxing services and lashes like I mean I could have diversified my services but you only have so much time during the day and yes some services are worth you know the the return on investment is better and like per dollar per hour it's better blah 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 but guys I'm telling you in the aesthetics world I capped out I made the most money that you can make as an esthetician per hour unless you're like a celebrity like brow shaper of course i mean those people they <laughs> make a, ton a different of money. category yeah that's like a whole different universe but um <laughs> you know celebrity work and things like that but like as far as like hourly aesthetics works that like the average esthetician can make i was i hit the ceiling and i was sitting there 24 years old 25 years old new mom um loved my work i loved what i did but i was like I can't take any time off. I'm literally hourly. And if I get sick, if my kiddo gets sick, that was actually what really woke me up was when my kiddo got sick a lot. Um, I ended up giving birth. I only got six weeks off because there was no paid maternity leave. I didn't have a huge savings set up and I was keeping the savings for like, what if someday? And um, about Six weeks after he was born, um, actually at four weeks after he was born, there was painful, obvious that there was like things going on and we were at the doctor's office like every other day. I mean, it was, and, and at the six week mark, I'm like, there's no way I could go back to work. There's no way. And I am not leaving this little human with somebody else at this point, mm-hmm. like absolutely no way. And very fortunate that my employer was just like, take whatever time you need. We were like family, like she's like, take whatever time you need. But I mean, she couldn't afford to pay me for not being there. It wasn't set up in her business. And so I couldn't hold it against her, but it put me in a really bad place because I only had had enough money to not work for like eight weeks total. I ended up not working for three months because at his three month mark, he had emergency surgery and then he needed recovery time. And so he was six months old actually. So six months total before I went back to hourly pay. And that six months was tough. I was recovering. I was postpartum depression. I had a little baby that had gone through surgery who had food needs. I had milk supply issues. I mean, that six months was so tough. You don't need that looming, like, I need to make money mentality hovering over you. Like, that just, that sucked so bad. That that woke me up. It shook me to this place of, like, I don't ever want to feel like this ever again. Mm-hmm. And I spent the next several years trying to diversify. And I was, my mind was so ingrained into nine to five time for dollars um you know this is how you earn income you know you get benefits and all these things and this was the only way to be quote-unquote successful 
that I I spent probably three or four solid years after that pursuing other things that were just more time for dollars. That's when I diversified to makeup services because guess what? I could work evenings and weekends. So I could work in the space that that was outside of my aesthetics, medical practice stuff. And um, I diversified to doing waxing services for people. I was like a mobile waxing service. And like, like I tried to be as flexible as I could. And guess what I did during that time? Give myself adrenal fatigue. <laughs> Like for real, like I was just, I was working myself ragged trying to diversify my revenue as much as I could because all I knew was time for dollars. Mm -hmm. And when I started getting, um, and when I started to get kind of, um, too fatigued, like when my body started to break down, um, is when I was like, I can't do this anymore. And my husband had to be like, honey, you don't need to make income like this. Like I will figure it out. And then we had to be super duper broke for a few years. (laughs) For me to be like there's got to be a better way like I want to contribute to this family and um, I started pursuing um, beauty vlogging you know I mean guys I even went back to school because I thought I needed more education to be able to make money in a way that didn't run me into the floor and then a few years into that I realized that's not the answer <laughs> this feels worse <laughs> and um, I, I started looking into beauty vlogging. And so I thought that I needed to go cause I was looking at, I was really inspired. I loved YouTube and I loved what these girls were doing through, um, tutorials and they were getting ad revenue. They were getting affiliate income. And I was like super inspired and was like, I could, I can do that. I can totally do that. I got into it. It's hella hard. That's <laughs> really hard. You guys, especially with a baby, especially with a new baby, like, <laughs> Those things are really, really hard, and I and I highly respect people that do that and can be consistent. Um, it is one way to do it, and I am making some income on those things through the affiliate side. I never got to the point where because um, YouTube kept changing their their um, their line of like what was when they would start giving you ad revenue. So when I first started, you could make ad revenue even if you're small, and then they very quickly changed it to you had to be pretty medium sized to large to make any ad revenue. And I kind of gave up at that point because I was like, I don't. I, I felt like I had to lead into this system that I didn't really believe in. You know, it felt wasteful, all of the product and the tutorials and the this and the that. And that's when I found Beauty Counter because I was like, look, I need to find products that I can make money off of. Like when I'm sending people to places because I was looking at all of this and I'm like, I'm I'm literally selling so much of this stuff and not seeing a dime from it in any way, shape or form. And so I, my ability to diversify my income has been through years and years and years of doing things that didn't work for me. And I'm finally in this place of finding things that work for me, you know, building digital things that people can purchase from me, education, being able to um, earn an affiliate income, being able to, in, in this case, it's building a beauty counter team that I can pour into and be able to help them. And then they help me. We work together. It's a team thing. Like, and being able to earn money off of product that I recommend is everything. In the med spa world, I was selling about fifteen, seventeen thousand $17,000 a month in product. And we had to keep track of that for um, like incentives and things like that or gifts, like what was what we did. And so I knew how much I was selling and I knew how much I was selling next to the person next to me. Do you think I saw any kickback from that? I saw no commission, none from that. That's not how that industry works. Typically, you don't see commission from that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, I just, I look back on that and I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's painful. It's painful to look back on. 
It is. And so I'm really passionate about even young girls, middle-aged women, older women. I mean, I you guys have to tell you, if you're interested in seeing what my mom's doing, I'm so proud of my mom. <laughs> she's 65 and she's building an income from affiliate services and a blog. And she just started last year and she's freaking killing it. Like killing it. You do not have to be a young person to like diversify your revenue and diversify your income that you're taking in. And I'm, I'm really passionate about it because every person in my life, including myself, that I have watched diversify that and be able to, you know, quote unquote, not put all their eggs in one basket. They are more at peace with everything that they're doing because there's it, that, that frantic energy is just not there. You know, they're more sure of themselves they're more steady. They're feel peaceful. And they're able to like do things that really resonate with themselves because that's that's the that's the ticket is diversifying your revenue in a way that makes sense to you. That like, are you guys sensing a theme here? <laughs> if you're going to do a service based business, do what works for you. Do what works for you. Know yourself. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, well, I don't know. I could go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think as far as the. As you're trying to build a personal brand, I think people spend too much time worrying about how they're going to bring in money with their service-based part of their business Mm -hmm. that we get distracted from building out these other pieces. And then also, you know, you come to a place where you get kind of desperate to make money from the mm-hmm. service baits part of your business oh, yes and you're Ugh. too attached to those outcomes yeah. and not that those shouldn't be your focus but that as you diversify you're able to let go of some of those expectations that you have for that that other side of the business and it, service-based businesses ebb and flow seasonally um, so true annually they ebb and flow based on you know what's happening in the marketplace there's so much going on there And I wish I had spent more time building out, you know, affiliate marketing. And this is where blogging can be a great, great thing to try to do. And, you know, it's, it's hard to get sponsored blog posts anymore. Um, But affiliate commissions are something you can build out over time. But even then, I think, you know, like speaking for folks in the nutrition space, we have like, we have Thrive Market, we have Vital Proteins, we have Four Sigmatic, we have... Uh, Cassandrinus olive oil we have maybe beauty counter but we have all of these different kind of categories that we can build out our affiliate commissions and we don't spend enough time building up just one of them or two of them you know Mm -hmm. I think it's good to diversify but you really want to invest and kind of make choices primarily pure is another one that comes to mind too um yeah but you want to diversify but also focus heavy in on a couple of them for a period of time so that you can build up the people who shop with you but here's the kicker and this is why I mean we choose something like Beauty Counter as our primary affiliate commissions and our primary partner as far as that goes and building a business. I mean, there's a thousand reasons why actually, but yeah. this is why it just makes smart business sense. If you're someone who works in health, nutrition, beauty, um, any kind of beauty, whether it's a service-based business beauty or you're a blogger or whatever it is, like this is why this makes sense. Once someone shops with you, they continue to shop with you. I, guys okay I, I <laughs> and when and when you have an affiliate commission from another company like let's say someone uses my primarily pure discount code thank you very much that's amazing I'm going to get a little bit of a kick on that that sounds great from that um, you one get a, bit, a little bit discount on your products <laughs> yes it's the one click and they will come and shop your primarily pure link one time 
and you know the discount is on your first order so if you've never if you've made an order with prime leap here before you're not going to be able to use it even and you know you get affiliate you know marketing through like even amazon and all the way up to some of these really generous affiliate programs that some of these companies have and the max percentage you're getting is you're getting is 15 percent absolute max and then even then you're lucky (laughs) it's more so between five and ten and what happens there is you know folks click on that link and they buy with you once and then they they're not going to continue to go back to your link to buy with you over and over and over again or if they see another person who's affiliated with that company and they just happen to be like oh yeah i wanted to grab that they'll click on their link just not even like it's just part of being a consumer Mm -hmm. like that was a big deal to me too because the ability to earn income from somebody that you has become your customer and you service them and it's you keep track of their um, their purchases and you help them remember when their stuff's expiring like you know that kind of that kind of ability to be able to keep them as a customer is everything when I was just doing beauty vlogging people click on my affiliate link I'd be lucky if they clicked on my any of my other links or if they clicked with that link again or any of my future links to, yes. because it's this constant game of trying to drive people to your content and asking them to engage on that link that is asking a lot of consumers it's too specific it's yeah it's asking a lot it's a lot of decisions that need to be made mm-hmm. and and a consumer has to be a really savvy one and they have to be very connected to you emotionally connected to you to want to purchase with you like that every single time yeah. but with beauty counter what makes it special is that once they're your customer, they're your customer. And they can, like, there are people that I check in with, like, a few times a year, but they purchase whenever they want to. And they purchase every now and then, and they'll purchase sometimes. They'll be, they'll, they'll fill back up, and they'll buy a big cart full of stuff, and then they'll pick in the rest of the year. I have one customer who will buy for me, like, once a year, and she will spend a ton with me once a year. And that's because she logs into her account, and I'm her consultant that I get credit for that. But guess what? She still participates in like my VIP customer stuff. She still gets to participate in my my samples of new products that come out. Like that's the kind of thing that I love doing is that I feel protected as a consultant. And I feel like I can nurture that relationship without feeling like I'm not getting anything in return. It's it's a very beautiful relationship. Yes. And I mean, obviously, like anything affiliate wise that you're going to be representing, make sure you align with that company mm-hmm. and that mission of that company, regardless, like totally non-beauty counter related, just all of the things. But this is why we land on beauty counter for an affiliate opportunity for us personally and an affiliate like partner that can turn into a lot more than that if you really apply yourself with it. Yeah. It's been a huge blessing. But all of that to say, I think as you're seeking out, you know, these kind of additional income sources for yourself, like affiliate marketing is just one piece of that, right? There's writing your own ebook. Again, you own that. Yep. That's content that you own and you get to sell however you would like to do. Um, You could do a recipe book if you're doing like something, you know, that's if you're in the food blogging space or nutrition space, like people love to buy inexpensive, you know, a $10 tiny ebook that's got, you know, 20 recipes in it or something like that instead of a more expensive cookbook or something. Mm -hmm. And another thing that you can do is like a course or a membership site, which um, we'll be sharing more about this in the future, but I'd recommend kind of checking out Online Course Academy from Amy Tollestred, who was on the podcast a few episodes ago. Yeah, Um, She's got some great information on how to create a course and kind of, you know, 
generating income with that course. So creating the course and marketing the course. Um, and then obviously there's other places where you can go for those external sources of income, like ad revenue on your website, um, doing ads. If you have a significant social media following, you can do ads in your social media. Um, but you know, all I will say about who you choose to align yourself with as a business and as a person is very important. And that is your trust that people are putting in that product. The, the way that they trust you, they're going to trust that that product is going to be great for them no matter what it is. So don't mm-hmm. talk about something that's mediocre. Can we just say that for a minute? Yeah. Don't talk about something not worth that's it. mediocre. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your effort. And, um, and it's not worth the lack of trust that you're going to create in that relationship. And so make sure whatever it is that you are in, you are here for it. You're excited. It's something you actually use and buy because by the way, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it and they want to see you do it. (laughs) So it's not something you actually regularly use in your daily life or monthly or annual or whatever. Like (laughs) it's not worth your time. And I think people spend too much time trying to build out all these other kind of affiliate businesses when they could be plugging into something that they're creating for their own business mm-hmm. um, or with an affiliate partner that you know is going to just kind of keep coming back to you, which is absolutely huge. Um, and lastly, I know I already said like, I'll leave us with this, but Cassie always has one more thing to say. So <laughs> there's no apologizing for it. No. As you're <clears throat> networking and wanting to create and grow your business, can we just get a little humble for a minute and say you cannot be too big for your britches in the beginning? Mm-hmm. No interaction, no connection is too small for mm-hmm. your time, for your effort. And that isn't to say don't create boundaries, but as you're building things, you can't really afford to say no to some of those small opportunities and some of the biggest opportunities I've ever had have come from the smallest passing interactions that I just decided to invest in and I didn't know what was going to come out of it but I knew something good would come not knowing what that good thing would be yeah, and so don't be too proud to be connected with your local community even if you're someone who is an online influencer even if you're someone who's mainly building a business online being connected to your local community, teaching local classes, investing in the school system, investing in, um, you know, the, the food system in your area, doing education, teaching, whatever it is. Like, even if you're someone who runs a service-based business who has like, let's say you have a chair in a salon, like what could you teach people? You could teach, you could hold a class teaching people how to do updos. You could, and, and no, it's not the exact exchange of time for dollars, but you are going to put yourself out there in a way, again, that builds trust And guess what? It's off of social media and people are going to see and know and hear you. And I tell you to this day, that list of 2000 people has stuck with me that whole time. And the people who buy things from me now, the people who shop beauty counter with me now, who are excited for the food blog to finally launch and, and for me to get into that space, the people who are hitting reply when I send out a newsletter are the people who have been going to my nutrition classes or interacting with me on the smallest, most minute basis Mm -hmm. for six, seven years. And they've been here the whole time. And you guys, I know you listen to this and I love you. (laughs) I really do. I'm so grateful for that. But those were born out of really small interactions. And you bump into someone at the grocery store and they're sitting there and they're looking for like a healthy alternative or a non-allergenic alternative to to all-purpose flour and they're like hey 
do you know where to find the coconut flour? And then you can talk to them about how to bake with coconut flour and what that looks like and the nutrient density. And they go, oh my gosh, like, how do you know all this stuff? And you're like, well, I work in nutrition. Like, oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> where, where can I find you? Like, what do you do? Okay. Let me have a place to invite you to an email list. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you never know what those small interactions can do. And the last thing I'll say is in this vein of like not being too big for your britches, you have to connect with people who are at the same stage in business as you are. You need to grow Mm, together, even if you offer the same things. Mm -hmm. Collaboration over competition is huge when you're growing a service-based business, because guess what? You're not always going to be able to fit someone in your schedule and you can refer them out. Maybe you're Mm -hmm. not the right fit for someone when they come to you for services and you're like, oh my gosh, you know who is right for you? So-and-so. That's Mm -hmm. something I did in the very early days. It was a very scary thing to do for me because I felt like I was losing a client. I felt like I wasn't doing my job if I wasn't able to serve everyone who came to my door. And eventually, you know, the last person who walked to my door who was a CrossFit athlete who wanted a six pack, I was like, "Mm, you want to go to this person. I'm not (laughs) wasting my time on not being in my happy space and my niche. You don't have type two diabetes. Like (laughs) move on. I love you, but move on. You know, it's... (laughs) finding that niche allows you to get so specific with who your ideal client is that you know when they walk in the door and when they're not and and you can refer them out to the people in your community and grow that together you're going to be alongside one another with the struggles that you're having with starting your email list or creating your website or whatever it is there's so much to do in the beginning and it's hard and you need someone Mm -hmm. who's waiting through it with you Mm -hmm. to to talk to about it with and you know I think Mm -hmm. Jen you have talked a lot to me about the level of competition that existed in the aesthetic space when you first entered into that and how Mm -hmm. that really made it hard to build something like will you talk more about that oh yeah yeah honestly that was um that's been the surprise of my life entering into the beauty counter beauty counter community was I've never professionally been in a space where it was acceptable or I guess socially professionally acceptable to that community that collaboration over competition aspect um because it there's just so much fear around losing that customer to somebody else in some regard because yeah in the aesthetic space and the makeup space specifically we're all creative yeah we're all pretty good if we're if we're making money in makeup we're all pretty good at it in some way and so it's like you know you could have your makeup done by one person at one shoot and then the next family shoot you may have done by somebody else like there's just not a ton of like I found my person and I'm going to stick with them. It's, it's, you know, cause really customers should be allowed to like try all sorts of artists, you know, that's part of the process. But in that, in that vein, that has made things very, um, uh, separated, like segmented and it's very competitive and it's, um, difficult to find professionals in that space that will want to have community with you. And I'm just, it's, and I'm not sure what the answer is to that either because it's been such a long-standing thing inside that creative part of the community, whether it's the aesthetics like for skincare or it's for makeup. Both sides of it have been highly competitive and um, I would love to see that change. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I've been so inspired by watching beauty counter consultants be all sorts of nutritionists and um, people that are working in food, whether in whatever their certification is, is that community has shown me so much of what it means to be collaborative and to be there for a movement that 
is just you just don't see that in the traditional aesthetics world well, and, and I, I think when you're gross. mission driven <laughs> I think when you're mission driven and you connect with other people who are also mission driven you can really find that place of collaboration and well, I there's think, that greater good yeah and I, you know what like you're a great example of someone who know like that collaboration doesn't necessarily exist inherently in the beauty space but you're like yeah let's do it I'm here for it I think the way that mm-hmm. you change it is that you go do it mm-hmm. you be collaborative you know yeah. yeah and I think that's what's been the fun thing about building beauty counter is I'm starting to um, gain consultants on my team that are in the medical aesthetic space mm-hmm. you know and and I feel like I'm finally in this space where I'm finding my people and I'm like yes like like I know what you're experiencing right now I know how you coach you around that and and it feels so good to be like collaborative together through it and it just makes sense and even getting the feedback of like wow like this was not I didn't expect this and I didn't want to be alone in this process because it's it, as makeup artist, esthetician, anybody in that service space, it is does feel very lonely because you are an entrepreneur and you feel alone and that doesn't feel nice. And so it's like, man, I know this all call for like, let's just have a little little semblance of community, you know, mm. I'm even in a beauty counter makeup artist Facebook group that's specific for professional makeup artists. And it has been the coolest Facebook group. It's the first time I've ever have been around makeup artists where we're like, what are you up to? What you doing? Share here. Like, what are you doing with this product launch? And like, what are you doing? Like, it's so fantastic to be able to collaborate and be inspired by each other and be able to look at that as a way to learn what works and what doesn't and you know what do I want to try next and I think that that still is important as part of that um you know learning how to run a service-based business because it can feel really lonely otherwise yeah very lonely even when you're working in kind of a collective office or space it can feel really lonely to build and competitive Mm -hmm. still so Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I think there's so much more for us to break down here in future episodes. You know, we could do a whole episode on passive income. Guess what? We are going to do that. Oh, um, man. We so can do much. a whole episode on on networking, on social media. There's so much more to dig into here. But I hope that the last two episodes have been a really helpful kind of high level overview of these lessons that we've learned along the way. And, you know, I would just advise you like whatever place that you're at in your business, whether it's those really early stages and you feel stuck in analysis paralysis, or it's way later down the road where you're trying to figure out how to price your services or, you know, create an ebook or whatever it is, like grab that piece and those little lessons that we've learned in that section and just kind of run with those. And please, um, you know, our hope is that you don't have to make the same mistakes that we made in order mm-hmm. to get where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'll link to a few podcasts in the show notes that have been extremely helpful for me in that process too. Um, the Driven podcast, with which Genevieve um, is a producer for, is yeah. incredible with Diane Sanfilippo and Cassie Joy Garcia for business advice. Um, I love Jenna Kutcher's podcast um, called Gold Digger. What, Jen, other business podcasts that come off the cuff for you that you like? Oh, I'm so deep and driven. <laughs> She's so deep and driven. And it's really good, by the it's way. It's juicy. It was good. It is I, very I, juicy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I also like um, if you're in more of like the mindset place of having an impact with your business, um, I would really recommend the School of Greatness from Lewis Howes. 
absolutely love his mm, work yeah that um, one's been around for a while it's like a it's like the og i think he's like i don't know episode 1000 however yeah. many something <laughs> yeah. like that it's a lot it's a lot and i think he puts out multiple episodes a week too so yeah. and then i mean if you're more of like a tutorial based person like give me the action steps like let's say you're an enneagram theory or you're an eight who's like i'll struggle with confidence just tell me what to do um <laughs> amy porterfield's podcast is really wonderful i can't remember the name just off the top of my head but i'll link that in the show notes for you guys as well for a jumping off point for some of this stuff and again we'll be digging in more in the weeks to come <laughs> 